We are so glad you joined us for this week's message from Radiance in Macomb, Mississippi. We hope that you are encouraged and challenged in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed as you listen to this week's message. We are uh, we're jumping into a new series today called I'm In. And uh, once a year, at some point, either by mini-series or just uh, an individual message, we like to talk about some of the the things that we as a church believe, we as a church practice, and we as a church want for people um, inside the church and those that we minister to outside the church. And so uh, some things that we've done in the past, uh, I, I think the, the Lord has uh, led us to a place in this season going into the last part of this year. It's flown by. Like 2019 <laughs> is like, it's crazy how fast this year's gone. I guess... Uh, I, I was talking to to Mr. Nice and Mr. Dwayne a little while ago, and they were asking about my birthday. I was like, you know, it's just one of those things. Like, I want people to stop like celebrating me. Uh, but but you start to think about that, and the more of those that you have, the more time is passing. And uh, and so I think that uh, a fresh look and a fresh vision and a fresh um, introduction into the values of the church that you're sitting in and that you're a part of, that some of you are investing in, uh, I think it's important. And uh, about six months ago, the Lord led me into a, a passage in Jeremiah. If you're not familiar with the book of Jeremiah, it is Jeremiah's a prophet. And so everything that comes from Jeremiah is prophetic in nature. Um, and he's speaking directly to his people, the nation of Israel, um, and divided at this point Israel and Judah. And uh, and in in uh, Jeremiah 33, which is where we're going to start this series from, um, he makes some statements, and the Lord led me to this several months ago. And I studied, and I was like, "What do you, you know, what what is what is is this personal? Is this, you know, are you trying to do this through the church? What what are you wanting uh, for me to receive out of this? Because I I never like to just go and read." Uh, I like to know what the Lord's trying to do, and sometimes it takes months before the Lord reveals to you what He's trying to do. Uh, and so I, I want to share this this passage with you, and you'll think it's kind of crazy with what we're talking about, but I, I want to kind of break it down a little bit. And it, this is some varied passages from the overall uh, prophecy that Jeremiah puts out for Israel. And starting in verse 6 of chapter uh, 33, he says, I will bring health and healing to it, speaking of the people of the nation. He says, I will heal my people. I will let them enjoy abundant peace and security. He says, I will cleanse them from all the sin they have committed against me and will forgive all their sins of rebellion against me. Then this city will bring me renown, joy, praise, and honor before all nations on earth that hear of all the good things that I do for it. They will be in awe and will tremble at the abundant prosperity and peace I provide for it. There will be heard once more the sound of joy and gladness the voices of bride and bridegroom and the voices of those to the Lord Almighty for the Lord is good his love endures forever for I will restore the fortunes of the land as they were before says the Lord flocks will again pass under the hand of the one who counts them says the Lord the days are coming when I will fulfill the gracious promise and uh, as I was looking at some things that we believe as a church and uh, the, the easy thing to do is to go back to the same messages that we've preached before from the same passages we've preached before and put the information out there before you as we've done before. But I believe the Lord's always trying to do something new in us. And so when we talk about I'm in, uh, I think there's three areas as a church that we believe some specifics about. And the one we're going to look at today is I'm, in, I'm invited, number one. 
Uh, and then we look at uh, another area in our church. We believe that we're invaluable and we believe we're invested. We believe as a church that if you're invited, that the Lord sees you as invaluable and the church is going to see you as invaluable and we see you needing to have a place of investment. Now immediately when we think investment, we always think of money because that's what our society is built around. But investment is about giving yourself to something greater than yourself. And so there's an investment that all of us have to put into something or we never see what the vision that I believe that what he spoke through Jeremiah to the, the nation of Israel for health and for healing, for joy, for endurance. We're not going to see it because we forget that we're invited. We forget that we're invaluable and we forget that we need to be invested. And so I want to go through this over the next several weeks and look at what this means. But, but before we get into the invited part, I was, I was thinking about this because a lot of us, uh, and this is me included sometimes, we, we get on some of the other ends that we want to be in on. Like I'm entitled and like it's, I'm entitled, like I deserve this and I, I, I am, a, I'm, I'm the owner of this now and that's not what we are called as a church or, or believers at all. We're called to steward what God gives, not to possess what God gives because when we become possessive of it, it becomes entitlement and we get wrapped up in it and it causes sin. And so we're not entitled, we're not, uh, we're not we don't believe as a church that we're enlisted uh, there's a lot of, of talk about uh, you know God's army and things of that nature, but it's not something that you're forced into. It's something that you voluntarily walk into. If you don't and you feel like you have to do things out of a character that you don't have, you get burnt out because you're doing things out of your, your spirit, not the spirit of God. And so we don't believe in enlistment. We don't believe that the call of Christ is uh, independent. There is no independence in this. Regardless of what society tells us, the call of Christ throughout the Scriptures is never for one person. It's always for a group of people. And so when you're, when you're yoked together with Christ, it's now you and the Lord by the power of the Spirit and you connecting with other people. It's always a place where it's not independent. You don't get to go and continue just to do what you want to do. You become a part of a union, a part of a, of a connection, a part of something that's greater and uh, the last thing that we we know from the scriptures is it's not inconsiderate uh, because we no longer consider ourselves we start considering the needs when we say needs needs are attached to truth and when we look at scripture there are some clear defining truths and you don't need to have your feelings coddled if you don't believe truth and so we're not inconsiderate of that and staying in our own little bubble and in our own little feelings and so from this prophecy that Jeremiah puts out, I want to point out just the center portion of this. It says, The sound of joy and gladness, the voice of bride and bridegroom, saying, Give thanks to the Lord Almighty, for the Lord is good. His love endures forever. And so I want to give you a little context. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, but you've got to understand where the Lord's speaking into this. This is a divided kingdom at this point. They've known nothing but destruction, desolation, poverty, uh, they, they know nothing but the negativity of life that many of you constantly find when you walk out the doors um, of the church. It's just a sad place to be. And so when God says this, and, and they hear this from Jeremiah, their immediate thought is, that's not my reality. 
And and so we, we see when he says it, he puts it in a context that they would understand. And many of us, because this has been lost in our society, don't understand what the voices and the joy of the bride and bridegroom means because we don't really do wedding celebrations like they would have done in biblical times. Like when we have a wedding, it's a one-day deal. You have some cake at the end, and then everybody goes home. When somebody has a wedding in biblical times, it's a throwdown for like days and days and days. You know, there's a contractual part that everybody's a part of. There's a, there's a consummation part that everybody ain't invited to. And then there's the celebration part that continues to go on. And we've kind of condensed that in our society. But the, but the point of it is, is that when we think about what we're invited to, the Lord makes it clear that we're invited to the wedding banquet. But you're being invited to the biggest celebration that you could ever be invited to. And it's not something that you sit around and you're bored all the time wanting to go home like you are when you go to a wedding in modern times where everybody's like, girl, look at her dress. Why is she wearing that? Why is she wearing white? She ain't got no business wearing white. What color tuxes these guys got on? What is the deal with that? Well, you know this ain't going to work. She done done this six times. I wonder what kind of food they have. Are they having a full meal or are we just going to get some cake and some nuts and we're going to go home? Now, you know what I'm talking about because all of you have been in a wedding and you've thought about some of that stuff. So it's not like what we think about and what we visualize when, we, when we're in this. And, and so, so many of us, when we, when we think about being invited to a wedding, we kind of just set that invitation to the side and we're like, you know, I probably won't be going to that. But I want to tell you that the wedding that the Lord is inviting each and every one of us to is a wedding that you don't want to miss out on. Because it's not a wedding that we're not a part of. We're in the midst of it. We get to celebrate, not because we're celebrating somebody else's wedding, but because we're celebrating our connection with the Lord Jesus. And so when we say, I'm invited to something... That, that's what we're invited into is a celebration that's not just a future glory though we look forward to that it's something that we live now it's something that we live now and so you see a lot of churches and they use like these Christianese languages and they say a lot of words like discipleship and things like that and if you're not really familiar with church you don't really know what that means and they have these long vision statements and it says a whole bunch of stuff and you're like yeah, okay, I believe that. I don't know what half of it means, but I believe what he said. I understand what you're saying, I guess. And we, we do that, but what we try to do as a church is we just make it as simple as possible, and we teach three areas. We want people to encounter Jesus. I don't want you just to hear about Jesus. I want you to meet Jesus. Like We want you to encounter Jesus, because listen to me. There's a lot of churches that are, that are teaching about Jesus and people are hearing about Jesus, but they've never met Jesus. And if we don't have a true meeting with Jesus, that's not crazy to say in our society. And it's crazy talk even in some churches because they're like, well, we don't really meet Jesus. Yeah, we meet Jesus or we ain't in. Because the invitation comes from Him. It's not for us. That, uh, to me, and this is just a pet peeve of mine, I don't like the kind of language that I accept Christ as my Lord and Savior. Like, poor Jesus, He needs somebody to accept Him. It's more of a thank you, God, for inviting me to this. I'm just accepting the invitation that you've given me. And so the posture changes when you have an encounter. And, and, and I love that 
again, we haven't talked about this, but Caleb mentioned it. And this is the first passage of Scripture in John chapter 5, verses 39 through 40. This is what we do. You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it is they that bear witness about me, yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. It's, look, we can keep searching, and we can keep learning, and we can keep hearing about Jesus, but if we never meet Jesus personally in our own lives, we're doing the same thing that they were doing in biblical times. He was standing right in front of them, and they were rejecting him to his face. And so the invitation that we want people to have is not an invitation just to hear about Jesus, but that Jesus invites you to something that is meaningful in your life. That it that it doesn't just it doesn't just happen and well, I get to go to heaven one day. It starts to change things right now. And that's the difference between encountering and meeting Jesus. Go through the Old Testament. The Old Testament language that you constantly see is that they they taste and they see and they hear and they touch, talking about the very person of God. I mean, Psalm 34 says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. That language is not something that's external. It's personal. It's a, it's a true physical encounter that changes everything spiritually. It says, How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Job 42, I mean, you go through the entire book of Job and you see the ups and downs of a man of God who has struggled and who has been beat down with everything. And it, he says at the end of the, of the whole story, he says, I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye has seen you. It's personal. It's an encounter. So how in the world do we know the difference? I think there's three things that are indicative of a true encounter with Jesus that we as a church believe, that we as a church try to put in front of people, don't try to force it on anybody. We just want you to have the opportunity. The first thing that a true encounter with Jesus does is it humbles us. It takes away the opportunity for entitlement. The very next verse in Job 42, verse 6 says, Therefore, because I have seen you, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Listen, this is not self-deprecating. This is simply saying that I have just stood in front of the holiness of God and I'm not worthy. And something has to change. It's humbling to us to be able to stand in the presence of God because we don't deserve to stand there. Regardless of how, how good we feel about ourselves most of the time, we don't deserve that. We don't deserve the privilege to even speak the name of Jesus. Do you know when they were pinning the scriptures in the Old Testament, when they would write the name of God, they would throw the pen away, take the clothing off that they were wearing, wash themselves, and then go back to writing. That's how holy they saw the name of God. And we just will just say it all the time and not think twice about who we've been invited into a relationship with. It's supposed to humble us. The second thing that it does after it humbles us, a true encounter with Jesus liberates us. If you're not... not not comfortable with the term liberate it means it sets us free there's a simple term for it Galatians 5 Paul writes to the church he said it's for freedom that Christ has set you free he's given you a freedom that comes when you humble yourself and you realize that you've encountered the one true living God he says now that you're free it says stand firm stand firm and don't let yourselves be run back into that yoke of slavery because what's happening is, is that sin is convincing us that we're free to do whatever we want to do. And while we're doing that, that's freedom. 
but you find out that you hate life you're dying inside and everything around you sucks your relationships don't go the way that you think they should it, things just don't work now I'm not telling you that things become perfect and rosy but what I'm telling you is you find a difference that when you say okay Lord I want you to set me free from all of this that even in the midst of some of the things that you're going to deal with you're no longer burdened by the yoke of slavery because you now know that there's a freedom that comes with Christ the freedom that we've been offered in Christ allows us not to stay burdened by whatever that stuff is. So this thing liberates us. And he tells the church in Ephesus, he says, in him being Christ Jesus, and through him, through faith in him, we may approach God with freedom, and with freedom comes confidence. Because it changes us. It changes who we are, changes our standing before. Now that we've been humbled and realized we don't deserve to stand in front of God, we can now stand confidently because He's given us the cloak of His Spirit to be able to stand in front of God. And we stand confidently not in our own efforts, but we stand confidently in the Spirit of God. And so a true encounter is, is something that will liberate us. The last thing is, I've already mentioned it, it changes us. If you come to a place where you have encountered Jesus and nothing changes in your life, I want you to go back to the beginning. Because there's got to be a change. Now I know there's a, there's a honeymoon phase and all of that. When you first come to the Lord, you're on fire. You're, I'm, the old saying, they used to say, you're ready to charge hell with a water pistol and don't care what's going on. And, 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 and certain points in life, that starts to kind of fade a little bit. And so you stop running on the emotion and adrenaline of being a new believer and you start having to live on some truth. And you've got to start chewing on some things that maybe the reason that I'm not feeling that same fire anymore is because maybe there's some things God's trying to do in me that I need to change. Because the first part is all God. Nothing you can do about it. The freedom that comes, the invitation is not just... It's not yours. You didn't create it. God did. But now the change that takes place is a combination of His Spirit working in us and us making the adjustments. We're putting, it says that we're putting things at war. We're battling within ourselves. There's a fight going on between the Spirit of God and the Spirit of the flesh that dwells in each one of us. And we're, we're constantly having to say, am I going to trust the Spirit of God or am I going to trust the Spirit of the flesh that's in me? And so Paul Paul put it, he says, as such uh, as such where some of you, he talks about a lot of sin that they were in. He says, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of the living God. So there's that waging of a war that's going on and you, you start getting to a point. It's kind of like this. You get to a point and you go, well, I know this is wrong, but it does still kind of feel good while I'm doing it. And you keep, you, you keep battling with that and then you feel guilty because you keep going back to that. But we all have something in us that we deal with in that way and if we can just get to a place where we remind ourselves okay I've been washed but he cleansed me he sanctified me but he's given me the ability to be not just clean from the bath one time but to to get up every day and be cleaned again and that way when I when I get ready to walk back into whatever that sin is of choice I can remind myself and I can remind the enemy that's convincing me of something else. I've been justified by the name of the Lord Jesus. I've got the Spirit of the living God living in me that I don't have to fight you because I'm fighting with a new power and a new spirit. He goes on in, this, in the second letter to the church at Corinth. He says, do not lose heart. Do not lose heart because every one of us are going to get to a point where we're exhausted mentally, physically, 
and emotionally. He says, our outer self is wasting away. Like you just need to come up with the realization every day you're getting a little older. Every day your mind goes a little bit crazier. Every day, every day, even even the the, the strong-willed dudes in the room, you find yourself being a little bit more emotional, whether it's angry or whatever. You, but you find out that even though that's taking place and everything in me believes that if that's where it's going, so is my spirit. The Word of God says something different. It says, if you will continue, if you will continue, if you will continue, it says the inner self is being renewed day by day. The spirit that God's placed in each one of us is changing us. So if you've been invited to a wedding, you've got to dress accordingly. You got to put on the right kind of clothing. You got to you got to get cleaned up a little bit. You got to get your act together a little bit. You got to start realizing that there's some things in your life that need to be changing. And listen, here's the good thing. Like I want the conviction of the Lord to fall on you. I never want to be in a place where condemnation is heaped in this place. There's always time for the change to take place and it can start right now. It's not one of those things that you're too far gone or you're too far lost or you don't understand my sin or you don't understand what's going on in my life. It doesn't matter if I understand or not. I promise you that the Lord does. And so there's, there's a few things that we believe as a church that I, I just want to put out there for you. Uh, I'm not saying that these are set in stone, ground in, and I'm going to confess to you. I'm, I'm an introverted guy. I'm not one that's like, super outgoing and stuff like I'm the awkward one when I'm in a group of people because it just makes me feel better for some reason so I don't really like the idea of having a lot of people around me all the time and uh, and, and so I understand that you're, some of you won't like what I'm going to say in this but it's absolutely necessary and we have to fight that mentality and, and there's actually three things as a church that we believe when we encounter Jesus we, are, we want to invite others to encounter Jesus. Now that scares us because we have to talk to people. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't have to do that. Why are you going to make me do that, guy? We want to invite others to experience the person that we've experienced because something is... I can't explain it all, but something has changed because I've met this person. You not only want to invite others who don't have that relationship, you want to connect with other people. It's the hardest thing in the world to do because uh, because we're going to hurt each other. There's going to be things that you're going to do that's going to hurt me, and there's going to be things that I'm going to do that's going to hurt you. But if we can continue to do what we've called, what we're called to do, we realize that even in the midst of that, there's a truth that we all cling to. And it's the truth that God has orchestrated. God is the one that's created. God is the one that is trying to work things out. And we're just not going to get it right all the time. So if, if you believe that it's okay to stay in your bubble, not let people in, that, I'm telling you, the enemy is just trying to terrorize you with that. And the, the last part of it is pretty self-explanatory. You just want more. You want more. You don't want more because of any other reason than the simple fact that now I trust that God's Word is true. I trust that what God's trying to do with the power of His Spirit in me is real. And I want more of that because I can't live the other way anymore. I can't continue to do that. So when we say, I'm in, these are just some things that we start to change our minds about. We start to see, you know what? I've been hurt by people before. I don't want to let people in, but you know, I'm going to trust God. 
You know, I know some people that are dealing with something like this. I, they, they need to experience this. They need to know the Jesus that, that we're talking about. They need to know the power of the Holy Spirit that can change things in an instant. We, we get to a point in our history where we've even in the church become more and more skeptical of, of spiritual things. And when people start talking about miraculous healing, we get a little weirded out by that. Listen to me. It's just the enemy trying to keep us from experiencing all that God has for us. Because it still happens. We've watched people be healed of disease in this place. We have. We've seen it. We've watched it. We've seen, we've seen God heal miraculously from a place where cancer was the only thing that they knew. We've seen God heal relationships because God intervened. and because, It's not because of us. It's just because we believe that God's willing to do what, what we're not able to do if we'll just partner with Him to do it. And then I think there's three things that we know, and, and I want us to kind of focus on this for the rest of this uh, of this time together the first thing is is that when you encounter Jesus the journey's just begun like you just you just woke up from death because before Christ there is no life in you if you think you're living without Jesus you're not you're just heading towards death it's an endless constant battle of death over and over again and so when you come and you encounter Jesus it's just begun in the last book of the Bible in Revelation, when God gives the final revelation of Himself, He makes it very clear. I'm the Alpha, the Omega, the First, the Last, the Beginning, and the End. Until you encounter Jesus, you haven't started. And you're going to get to the end of your journey and never encounter Him. And He said, I'm still the end. It's just a matter of whether or not you've had a true encounter because I've invited every single person into an opportunity. And if, if you're not willing to accept what I've given you, there's still going to be an end. And it's not me that's unjust. It's you that wasn't willing to accept the invitation. So accept the invitation. If you want to be in, then realize this life is not about you. It's not. It's about, it's about Him. It's about His glory being made known. Michael, that sounds so selfish. How selfish does it sound that we think our glory needs to be made known? Because that's the opposite of this. He's the beginning. He's the end. The journey has just begun. It's, it's impossible for us to move and breathe and live in a spiritual world if we don't have the person of Jesus to unlock the spiritual for us. The second thing as we journey this, we got to have a compass. And a lot of churches don't like talking about the person of the Holy Spirit. But you can't do this without Him. You can't. You can't have Jesus revealed to you without the Spirit laying its Himself upon you. That's why it's so important that we realize that we're not making a decision for Christ. We're accepting an invitation that was planted directly in our hearts. Now that may be today. That may have been 10 years ago. That may have been 30 years ago for some of you. That may be in 6 months from now for some of you. But the invitation is still clear. But without the Holy Spirit laying upon you and you realizing, man, this is humbling. Man, He's trying to set me free from this. And walking in and accepting that invitation, the power of the Spirit is the only person that can do that. We have no power to stand before Jesus and accept the invitation without the Spirit lying upon us. 
Jesus himself said, it's recorded in John 14, he says, The Helper, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. So we can study and read the Bible and do all this stuff, but, but it's clear in the very Word that the only way that it's going to be called to remembrance upon our hearts is if the Holy Spirit does it. The only way that things are going to change is if the Holy Spirit begins to change us. And it's, it's not, listen, it's not some spooky, weird, crazy thing that some denominations have made it where we're going to fall out on the floor and we're, no, we can't breathe and all that stuff. If you walk up here, I'm going to slap you in the forehead and you're going to pass out. Like, the Bible tells me that the Spirit allows me to stand. It doesn't knock me out. You know what I mean? Like, the, the idea of like people being weirded out by speaking in tongues and stuff. We have that conversation in, in this church a lot. Like, it's just a divisive measure. Quit worrying about stuff. I mean, you, you, you all, I, I heard a preacher say this, and I'll say it like this. Sometimes you're fighting an enemy that you need a different language that he don't understand. That's, that's the simplest way that you can put it out there. But you know what? You can still operate in the power of the Holy Spirit and not speak in tongues. It's not the only sign. Matter of fact, Paul even said, I'd rather you speak one intelligible word than thousands in tongues. Because tongues is personal. Intelligible words is getting the gospel out. So don't get hung up on weird stuff that has freaked you out and dismiss who the Holy Spirit is because you've been taught something a particular way. Just go take a look and be willing to say, you know what, Lord, I want to open myself up to this because I need a compass because I don't know where I'm going. I need you to navigate this because I can't do it. And if I keep trying to navigate this, I, I'm, I'm going to keep doing it my way. Look, some of you are gifted with special talents, and it's great. But until it's empowered by the Spirit, lives are not going to be changed. We can, look, we can stand in there and teach those kids, but if the people that are teaching are not empowered by the Spirit, nothing's going to change. We're just teaching them. I used to tell people uh, in the church that we were serving a student ministry. I was interviewed, and uh, I said, number one, I don't babysit kids and teenagers. So that's not what this is. I said, we're not going to teach honor your father and your mother. We're going to teach Christ. Because if we teach them to honor the father and the mother, and we leave Christ out, you became an idol. And that's not what God's intent is. So if we don't get that foundation right, if we don't let people understand that there's an invitation that's been offered to them, that there's a compass that's sitting right there, and so many of us are scared because it's been packaged in weird ways. Let's just be honest. That's why most people are weirded out when the Holy Spirit comes up. Because I went to that event. I saw that person fall out. I don't want to fall out. I don't want to have a heart attack and die. Don't worry about that stuff. Don't worry about that stuff. Worry about what the Lord's trying to do through you. And don't miss out on the person of the Holy Spirit just because it's been packaged and put in a place where it seems so weird. Because He's not a it. He's a He. And He's come to change. He's come to refresh. Holy Spirit literally translates in the Old Testament and New Testament as a refreshing Wind. Not a bad, stanky breath person blowing in your face. And the third thing is this. Don't stop moving. Like once you, look, once you've been invited in, you need to get to the party and you need to mingle as much as you can mingle. 
You need to invite other people in. You need to be hanging out with people that don't look like you, don't talk like you, don't act like you, because we can learn from each other. If you're coming in here to learn from me, that's a very limited way of learning. We, we need each other consistently. We offer groups for that opportunity. You want to you want to get into a Bible study? There's women's Bible studies. We've got groups that are meeting to go exercise. I know a lot of you look at me like I'm stupid when I talk about that, but we do that three days a week. There's groups that are getting together. One of our groups is getting together tonight. We're going out to eat. We're just going to eat dinner. It doesn't matter if we don't have a Bible study. We just need to be around each other. We need to have investment in each other. We're, look, we're starting a class this afternoon at 4 o'clock if you're interested in being a part of it. It's an evangelism training type class. I don't like calling it that because that just sounds like real programmed. It's not like that. It's, it's, a, it's a Bible study that's going to equip you with the tools that you need to be able to share the gospel efficiently and effectively in the course of life. It's not forced. It just helps you have to create a habit. And yes, if you've got kids, there will be child care provided at 4 o'clock this afternoon right here. There's a shameless plug for a group. Don't stop moving. Keep making the connections. Keep going back to the source because we're not each other's source. The only source is the power of the Spirit. we got to keep going back every morning. Every morning we got to go back. Every morning we got to go back because we're going to try to do it in our way. We're going to try to do it the way that we want to do it. And it's not going to work. So as a church, we just simply say, I'm in. Why? Because I've been invited. I've been invited into a family, to a celebration that I can't even imagine. Because when I start to think about the celebrations that I've been to, they pale in comparison. It's not possible for me to understand. You can look at the imagery. Go read in Revelations where it talks about that, that beautiful picture of a banquet. I want to be there. I want to sit at that table. I want to dance, even though I'm not a good dancer. I'll be undignified. We've got to want that. So I know some of us are sitting back and going, well, I ain't dancing. I don't do that. You might just do that. There's the power of that Holy Spirit in you right there. You might just dance. So as a church, all we, all we want to be able to do is create opportunity. For you to realize that you've been invited into something. That you can walk into this place on Sunday morning, no matter what's going on, no matter what issue, what hurt, what, what the past has brought, and you can just sit and realize that it's going to be okay. That, I, that I've got something in front of me that all I have to do is receive it. But it also becomes about taking the personal responsibility for us. Like we can be good to people, but never point them to Christ. If we're going to invite them into something, we've got to be willing to take that next step. That's why things like we're doing starting this this afternoon are important. Because I, I listen, I understand. I'm not trying to shame anybody. I understand. Sometimes it's intimidating to walk up to somebody and just start doing that. It, it is like. I know a lot of people will just say, well, get over it. You're sinning. Let's work Let's work this out together. I mean, it's burn or burn. But, you, I mean, you even felt that way. It's like you knew you walked in Walmart and you knew you were supposed to share something. You beat your, yourself up for days over it because you didn't do something. You, you ask for forgiveness and you keep moving. Don't stop. 
But we want to offer those opportunities so that you can offer people the opportunity. That's all the church is supposed to do. We're not trying. I don't. I'm not trying to control everything. I just want to give you a compass, a person of the Holy Spirit that'll help you to navigate this thing, to give you a place that you can worship the person of Jesus, to give you an opportunity to serve through the ministry of the church. But it starts with encountering Jesus. And then we'll talk about finding our place. And then we'll talk about inspiring others. Because those are the three things that we say in this church. We want people to encounter Jesus. We want them to find their place. And we want them to inspire others. And so I want, I want to leave you with this passage. This is one of those ones that just, I think, sums up things beautifully. Jesus spoke this in Matthew chapter 11 is where it's recorded. It says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest the invitation is to an incredible opportunity because when we're tired when we're weary when we're burdened we don't feel like celebrating the world beats on us it terrorizes us it it keeps us knocked down and when somebody talks about celebrating and somebody talks about going to a feast and somebody you don't want that but it's because sometimes we miss that Jesus has offered us a rest that we can't we can't get without them. He says, "Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart." So the one thing that He asks from us, humble, He says, "I'm already there. I'm giving you something out of my treasure." He says, "You will find rest for your souls." And so this morning. If, if you're dried up, if you're out of breath, the Holy Spirit, through the power of a true encounter with Jesus, can change all of that. And I just I want you to be reminded that this life doesn't have to be lived as a burden. It doesn't have to be lived in, in your own power, in your own strength, because we're not, we're not equipped to do it. We need that. And all it takes is for you to realize this morning that Jesus is trying to invite you Thank you for joining us for this week's message from Radiance in Macomb, Mississippi. If you have made a decision to follow Jesus, would like to connect with a pastor, or would like to support the ministry of Radiance, you can easily do so on our website at RadianceMacomb.com. We hope you have a blessed week.